The Denver Broncos are red hot. Five straight games that they have won, which sets the table for an important AFC showdown here this weekend. How do the Broncos beat the Browns on Sunday? We'll dive deeper into that and recap all the action on today's brand new installment of Good Morning Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. Welcome into a freshly brewed installment of GMB, your daily Broncos morning bite-sized show here on Mile High Sports YouTube page. Mile High Sports is every team, every day. So do us a favor if you love the Denver Broncos, you love the Colorado Avalanche, you love the Colorado Rockies, the Denver Nuggets, this is the place to be. So subscribe so you never miss out on what's going on with your favorite professional Colorado sports teams. I'm Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter for Mile High Sports, and the Broncos are running wild right now on a five-game win streak. They and the Philadelphia Eagles are the biggest stories right now in the National Football League and the AFC and the NFC, respectively, in terms of their win percentage, what's going on, how many games they've rattled off in a row. It's an exciting time if you are a member in Broncos country. I mean, where do we even start here on today's episode of the show? I mean, for Denver to win their fifth straight game, Going back to just looking at where they started this season, one and four, one and five, and all of a sudden, you know, at that juncture, about week six, we were all sitting here talking about, okay, this season has been an abject disaster. I mean, you're coming off the loss to the New York Jets, and all of a sudden, it's just crazy how from that moment when the Broncos lost to the Jets, how the Broncos have ascended up, how the New York Jets have gone down. Safe to say, maybe week five for the Jets was their Super Bowl. But for Denver, it was the turning point. It was the inflection point for them. And I think that there's a lot of things that have gone into that. Obviously, outside of just coaching, we talked about personnel changes over the course of the last four or five weeks. But Denver's just got this instilled confidence within themselves. They have belief within one another inside the locker room. And I think that's an important thing to really highlight here because when things were ugly after that Miami Dolphins game, we all sat here and we talked about a man. Can't get any worse than this, can it, right? Because that was really rock bottom. And if rock bottom had a hole, Denver fell through it. But somehow Denver has risen up from the ashes. They've risen up from where it was, the, the storyline. And they could have let that week three game and that trend of them starting one and four, one and five, they could have let that define their season and just said, you know what? We're just not good this year. This is the story of the season, man. It's unfortunate. It sucks. But you know what? There's always next year. They didn't do that. They, and, and I can tell you this, talking to various players over the course of the last few weeks, players have told Mile High Sports that really for them, it's just, you know, we've never lost belief in ourselves. We've never lost belief in our teammates. We've never lost belief in the coaches. We just, we know what type of football team we can be. And we just have to do the things that will get us to what we want to be. And I think there's a little more continuity going on with this Broncos team. So uh, to me, I think that's a big key that we have not talked about quite a bit. It's just that this is a locker room that's full of resilient guys. I think Denver's leadership in the locker room has been really good on the offense, on defense, even special teams. Like you have guys stepping up and, and taking the mantle with things. And then that's what Denver hasn't had in years. And that's helped them turn, I think, a little bit of this culture around here. So that's a huge, huge storyline for us to follow here. But how did the Denver Broncos win their fifth straight game on Sunday? Well, I'll tell you what, going into the fourth quarter, it was close. It was 17 to 12 at an important juncture with the Browns having the football and them looking to march downfield to try to either have a touchdown on their previous drive. They scored on a touchdown to make the score a little more even at that point because um, they were kicking field goals. Denver's defense was really good in the red zone. They were really good on third down in this game, but 
the Browns had a little bit of momentum going into that fourth quarter. And then the Broncos defense, they came up with a big play. Dorian Thompson Robinson scrambled around backwards, sideways, and Baron Browning delivered a clean hit. Look, you're going to have people saying, oh, it's a dirty hit. But I, I'm tired of debating what's clean and what's not with people that don't know football, that have never played football, that have no idea how to play or hit people. It's a physical game. It's not the defensive player's job to protect the offensive player. Baron Browning delivers a clean hit to Dorian Thompson Robinson, and it's a hard hit. I mean, it was a very, very hard hit. That's football. Grow up, folks. It's football. If you don't like it, go watch soccer. Then then uh, Barron comes off the field. Like, this is how it all played out for me in the press box. Barron delivers the hit. Broncos defense, they're celebrating. They're celebrating. They run off on the field. They're all on the sideline. Barron Browning's on the sideline. He's already sitting on the bench. And then the ref throws the flag. This is like a good 15 to 16 seconds after the fact. So to me, there's an issue when the officiating does that, when they wait as long as they did to do that. Like if you're going to throw it, throw it in the moment. Don't throw it 15 seconds after the fact. But there needs to be a review process, in my opinion, for that. So all of a sudden, it's like, all right, that was third down. It forced an incomplete pass, but all of a sudden, now the penalty, 15 yards, automatic first down. P.J. Walker comes into the game. And then I just think that there was this biggest kind of draw, like a karmatic moment where it was like, the ball don't lie, right? We all know that saying. Like in basketball, you see it all the time. How often do you see ball don't lie in a football game? That's what we saw. The Browns tried to get tricky, tried to do a little bit of a double reverse, and they fumbled it. DJ Jones recovered it, and then Russell Wilson and the Broncos offense kind of took over at that point, marched downfield a little bit, and then there was a key third down play. Look, on second down, Russ did a great job scrambling, evading pressure, fired a dart to Cortland Sutton, who just couldn't haul it in. Third down comes up, same exact thing. Russ scrambles around, maneuvers out, escapes pressure, throws it to Adam Troutman. You talk about like improbable catches. I mean, Russ has thrown some really good balls this season that where it's only a, a given a chance to the guy who's a receiver. Cortland Sutton has done that, obviously, through the course of the last few weeks. Adam Troutman gets one knee and kind of a butt cheek down, right? So they usually say in the NFL, John Madden, one knee equals two feet. Uh, and all of a sudden, that gives Denver a touchdown. So all of a sudden, the score is 24 to 12. Now the Browns are in a situation because it's the fourth quarter where the pressure is on. They have to figure out how are we going to get downfield and score points? Well, the quarterback's out. P.J. Walker is very capable of airing it out, had to come into the game. So Denver knew, okay, hey, they're going to have to air it out here. We're going to be very aggressive here. They sent pressure. Nick Benito gets a sack. Fourth down's coming up on that same drive and all on, on the next drive. And P.J. Locke lined up inside the slot playing coverage. Doesn't show it at all. Does a great job disguising. Times it perfectly at the snap. Blitzes off the right side edge. Sacks P.J. Walker. Strip sack. Broncos, their third force takeaway overall of the day. Seven quarterback hits on the afternoon. Four sacks for them. Like the Denver defense was aggressive. It was flying around once again. And that, that was a difference maker. And then a little bit later on, you're wondering, well, hey, how did they, you know, Will Lutz obviously kicked the field goal. How did they get 29 points? Well, P.J. Walker and the Browns offense backed up once again in their own end zone. Zach Allen coming up big with a sack in the end zone for a safety. And that would really do it here for the Broncos. I mean, just the complete dominating effort in the fourth quarter on the offense and defensive side of the ball. They found ways to make plays when they needed to because at 17-12, to 12, Denver was kind of losing a little bit of momentum going into that fourth quarter, and they were able to recapture it. They were able to recenter, refocus, and they ran with it. That was an impressive gutted-out victory here for the Broncos. But what stood out, though, overall defensively, let's take a look at the numbers. The Broncos held the Browns offense to 2 of 13 on third down. They held them to 1 of 3 
inside the red zone. And really that one conversion came off of a penalty that I also felt like was a bad call against PJ Locke. They called it a, you know, a late hit unnecessary roughness, but I mean, you can't play defense in the NFL anymore. It makes me sick to my stomach. I absolutely hate the product that the game has become. You know, there's a saying out there, what happened to the game I love? That's, uh, you know, unfortunate. And we're seeing it not just in this game, but we see bad officiating all across the board in most of the afternoon games, some of the earlier games. You truly cannot play defense anymore in the National Football League the way that you used to be able to. And it's just a, it's a little unfortunate there. But I think Denver overall forcing three takeaways. Once again, I mean, the defense is finding ways I mean, Mike Purcell recovers a fumble. DJ Jones recovers a fumble. And then you have the strip sack by P.J. Locke. I mean, Denver, in this game, the only takeaway they didn't get was an interception. They had a sack fumble. They had, obviously, a fumble recovery. Denver's finding ways to take the football away at a high rate, which is good. But the key for them coming into this game really was, okay, hey, the Browns have the third-ranked rushing offense in the NFL, averaging 142 yards on the ground per game. How do you limit that? Well, Denver, they went with a little bit of a heavier front. They held the Browns offense from a rushing standpoint to only 107 yards in this game. So Kareem Hunt held the seven carries for 22 yards. Jerome Ford, nine carries for 65 yards. He did have a 19-yard run that kind of sprung things open a little bit late in that second quarter for the Browns. But Denver playing impressive football, and they're playing clean football. They're playing efficient football when it matters, and that's really on the defensive side of the ball. We'll dive deeper to the offensive side of the ball. How the Broncos beat the Browns in Sunday's game, negating the pass rush element of a very, very dominant defensive lineman. That is Miles Garrett. You're going to get all of that here on today's episode of Good Morning Broncos. Real quick, let me tell you about our friends over there at Superbook Sports. When a trip to the biggest football game of the year, courtesy of Superbook Sports, Superbook, they will fly you and a friend to Las Vegas for February's championship game. They will also give you two tickets to the game plus a three-night hotel stay. All you have to do is place a $25 same-game parlay between now and January 7th, and you're automatically entered to win. So wager and win a trip, a super trip, to Las Vegas, courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, guys? Kim Becker here with Mile High Sports. Make sure you guys are following us on social media so that you never miss a Mile High Sports daily. Monday through Friday morning, we'll post a video hosted by me catching you up on everything you need to know when it comes to sports right here in the Mile High State. TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you name it, we're there, and we've got you covered for everything Colorado sports. How did the Broncos offense and Russell Wilson get things going? We'll continue to dive deep into that here on GMB. Real quick, you just saw the promo there for Kim Becker's MHS Daily. We just want to say we're super, super proud of Kim. She's been doing a lot of stuff for the Broncos this season. She was doing the red zone stuff that you've seen. If you've been able to attend a game this season, it pops up onto the screen. She goes through the red zone report while the game is going on for fans. But she's also last week became the first female to do PA for the Broncos. That was an exciting thing to see her do that. I've known Kim for quite some time, worked with Kim, and I'm just so impressed by her work ethic and what she's been able to do, what she's been able to achieve. And then yesterday, she was a sideline host. She was a game day host alongside Steve Atwater at halftime. On top of that, she did some social media stuff. Kim is doing a fantastic job. Very, very proud of her. She is part of Mile High Sports. So we love you, Kim. Great job on all the work that you do. We're always proud of you there. So with that said, let's continue on here on the show here on today's episode. Good morning, Broncos here on Mile High Sports YouTube page. Also, look, if you love the video stuff, we always have you covered every day. But if you want news, instant analysis as to what's going on, any breaking news that's going on with the teams that you cover, we have you covered at milehighsports.com with all the written content, columns, and more. So make sure you go check that out here. So how did the Broncos offense impact 
uh, a very, very good and very, very tough Cleveland Browns defense. Now, coming into this matchup, look, Cleveland, probably one of the best defenses in all of football in all the major categories, one of the best passing defenses. And obviously, you talk about their ability to get after the quarterback. Miles Garrett had 13 so sacks coming into this game in just 10 games this season. He's a physically dominant source there. They have good linebackers in Jeremiah Usu Koromoa. They have good guys on the secondary, though they were without Denzel Ward in this game. That was a big blow for them, I think, in the secondary. But overall, the, the game plan for the Denver Broncos was to come out, hey, we need to run the football. That's our emphasis, running the football against a team that is very tough to run against. And on top of that is when we get opportunities to make plays in the passing game, we have to do it. And that's exactly what the Denver Broncos did on Sunday here. Really, I think the story for them was really emphasizing the run game. This was a physical game between both of these teams. Like we talk about trench warfare. This was the epitome of it. It was physical. It was nasty. Guys were just, there were some hard hits in this game for both sides. And that's what you want in a football game. Hard, physical, smash mouth style of football. But here's the thing. The Denver Broncos brought the smash mouth to the Cleveland Browns in this game here. They imposed their will. They got the run game going. Even though there were times where Cleveland did a good job sniffing it out, Denver finished the game with 169 yards rushing on the ground here. And look, it was really behind the efforts of Javante Williams and Samaje Pirine. Javante had 18 carries for 65 yards. Samaje Pirine had a big day, seven carries for 55 yards. And then Russell Wilson, we saw some vintage Russ on some read option keepers, 11 carries for 34 yards and a rushing touchdown. So the two games there, like never coming into this game, they only had one rushing touchdown so far. That was back in week two, Jaleel McLaughlin's touchdown against the Commanders. They had two rushing touchdowns in this game, one by Samaje and then one by Russell Wilson that put them up 14-0 in this game in the early juncture in the first half. So the run game was going there at times. And I think the run game more so when Denver Denver would do like these inside draws and they do like these quick draws where, you know, it'd be quick. You'd be following like a quick pull and you'd be getting behind the offensive line and then shooting the gap, getting skinny. We saw Samaje take advantage of that. We saw Javante take advantage of that. Javante had a big run down the right side that got called back. It was a terrible holding call, in my opinion, on Cortland Sutton. So that obviously impacted them negatively in that regard there. But uh, the run game, they stuck with it. They didn't necessarily abandon it. And at times where Cleveland shut it down, Denver still kind of stuck with it. Like, hey, like if we're going to win this game, we're going to take time off the clock and we're going to capitalize when it's necessary. And that's exactly what they did. Big plays there from Samaje Piran, including a 24-yard gallop there. Russell Wilson obviously having the 19-yard keeper down the left sideline. That was a huge emphasis for them. But more importantly, they kept Russell Wilson upright. Now, he, he got hit a couple of times, but for the most part, the issues that we have seen from this Broncos team in terms of their offense sustainability, we didn't really see those issues pop up in this game. I mean, there were times, look, Russ finished 13-22 of 22 passing, a buck 34 and a touchdown, but Russ was kind of delivering some really good throws. He, he had some really good throws that uh, you know, were not caught in this game, and there was a missed, in my opinion, I think Jerry Judy would have had a touchdown. There was a missed P.I. that didn't get called there, unfortunately, but I, I felt like this was Denver's cleanest game, right? When you talk about like looking for the perfect game, offense, defense, special teams, I felt like this was it for Denver. They finally put together a complete game against a very, very good Cleveland Browns team that, that like I said, that defense, you've you got to give them credit. They're tough. They're, they're tough to go against. And Miles Garrett is not an easy guy. So, I mean, Denver, they came out and they went, they trusted. Okay, we're going to put Adam Trotman over here with Garrett Bowles. Garrett Bowles did a pretty solid job against Miles Garrett. But the ball, the idea was to get the ball to Russell Wilson's hands quickly and just run the football. And there was a good bounce between the run and the pass there. Denver on third down, they were 6 of 14. 
17 first downs overall, and they ran 62 total offensive plays for an average gain of 4.7 yards per game per play in this game. Penalties, I think, were an issue for both teams. Obviously, both teams had eight penalties in this game. We see a very flag-happy product. I would say the only negative thing we saw from the Broncos in Sunday's game, Russell Wilson, the Broncos, had a very promising drive, fourth and three. Russ scrambles, picks it up with his legs, picks up the first down, but then Jeremiah Wusu koromoa perfectly times it, punches the ball out, from Russell Wilson. I would say like my only criticism of Russ this season would be in some scramble situations. He's lost the ball, right? And it's just, I get it. You look at a guy who's perfected a little bit of that peanut punch there and Owusu Koromoa, great play by him, but just like, Hey, protect the football a little tighter. Like if, even if you have to slide, slide in that situation, like you got the first down slide, don't dive forward. Cause if you dive, you leave it susceptible to get punched out, and that's exactly what we saw happen. But, I mean, that's like a small gripe for me. I mean, Russ has been very good with protecting the football, hasn't thrown an interception, gosh knows how long, has put the ball in really good spots here. Saw Marvin Mims getting involved a little bit, Adam Troutman getting involved, Jerry Judy had two catches for 11 yards, and then Cortland Sutton, three catches for 61 yards. And, you know, he had a terrific play once again down the right sideline improbable catch, but got called for offensive pass interference. Cortland Sutton's playing really, really damn good football right now for Denver. Very excited to see these guys. The locker room, the vibes, they were immaculate. And the Broncos now have a very, very good opportunity in front of them. After winning five straight games, can they go on the road as they begin their first of a three-game road trip and they're taking on the red-hot Houston Texans who are coming off a little bit of a heartbreaking loss at home to the Jacksonville Jaguars. A win for the Broncos would give them ahead of Houston and on top of that would give them a tiebreaker and it would put them in the wild card race at this point in time, depending on how some other results go here in week 13. But the Broncos playing some of their best football at the most important time right now, and we'll have you covered here every single morning on Good Morning Broncos. But with that said, Broncos country, thanks so much for hanging with us. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to do a Broncos mailbag. If you have your mailbag questions, drop them in down below. We'll be sure to use them on tomorrow's episode of GMB. We'll see you then. Have a good one. Hey, Nuggets fans. Ryan Blackburn here, host of the Pickaxe and Roll podcast on Mile High Sports got the best Denver Nuggets coverage around so make sure not to miss an episode and subscribe down below to the Mile High Sports YouTube channel. Nuggets off to a great start. Make sure not to miss a thing on Mile High Sports.